Hey, 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 welcome to LDS Transitions. So today is April 22nd, yes again, of 2021, and this is part three of Natasha Helfer. How many parts are we going to have? We'll have to see now, won't we? So today Natasha um, posted her appeal. Um, so this was a public post, so I feel confident in being able to share it. Um, I shared it on my Facebook page as well as uh, um, posted it, or I'm hoping to read it here. Uh, so <laughs> um, hopefully I can do it justice. Uh, if you would prefer not to listen to me read it, feel free to uh, feel free to go out to her Facebook page and and read it. It's well worth sharing. I hope that the Salt Lake Tribune picks it up, but we shall see. <clears throat> it says, uh, gives today's date, and then it says, Dear President Nelson and members of the First Presidency, I am aware that a membership council was held in my behalf on Sunday, April 18th, 2021, at 7.30 p.m. at the Derby Kansas Stakes Center. And what I'm not aware of is whether or not your office was contacted about this council, since I wrote a letter expressing concerns about a conflict of interest between Stephen Daly and myself prior to the event. If it is the case that you were contacted, I'm guessing my appeal here is moot, since you already agree with the decision made. Regardless, this is my official letter of appeal. I am sad that the council decided to proceed not only without me being able to personally share my thoughts in my defense, but also without being willing to meet with the six witnesses that had been approved prior to the council. All seven of us signed the contract agreement that we would not make any recording of any kind during these proceedings. I will have you know, for your benefit, that I was offered three different types of recording devices that unless you would have been willing to physically frisk me, I could not easily, I could not have easily taken into the meeting, regardless of the status of my cell phone. I refused all such offers. Not to mention, my phone was where I had gathered several of my prepared answers to questions I could only guess at because at no time was I given instructions as to what I should expect in this meeting. So when the gentleman in question offered the comp compromise that instead of turning my phone off, I could send my document via email to a member of the stake presidency so they could print my material off, that was a definite no. I did not want them seeing anything I had prepared beforehand since I didn't know which of my notes would be relevant. If the church office needs help knowing how to provide better language in regards to contract dealing with confidentiality, I'll be happy to help. I regularly help couples contract much more important things than how a phone should be used. This entire misunderstanding could have been avoided by simply mentioning something like, be aware that you will not be able to bring a cell phone or computer into the meeting. If you have notes you want to refer to, make sure you bring them in writing. I am also sad that the letters I received from Steve Daly continue to either flat-out lie, mischaracterize me, or mischaracterize 
the events as they have occurred. For example, I am sad you chose to not comply with our request to pr preserve the sacred nature of this gathering. Is a lie. I had, sorry, that was in quotes, I had willingly and sincerely signed the contract about upholding confidentiality, and it is not true that I was offered the, quote, option to print any documents, unquote. I was offered to email my private documents to a member of the stake presidency so that they could print them out for me. I remind you that this was all taking place at 7.30 p.m. when I knew I only had one hour for all witnesses to share their thoughts, me included. I would have had to be afforded a computer where I could privately copy-paste the notes I needed and then print them off myself. That offer was not forthcoming. I'm also sad that the church spokesman, Eric Hawkins, also lied when he stated in the Salt Lake Tribune, quote, All but one of the participants complied with that request of leaving cell phones outside of the room and had brought their statements in writing, unquote. First of all, there was no prior agreement that statements would be brought in writing. When one of the sisters realized they were being dismissed, she asked the gentleman if he would at least be willing to take statements they had in writing. He agreed, and only three of my witnesses had such documents available. Therefore, the council was planning on going forward without any of the witness statements that had been previously approved, and yet were offered three, which Steve claims they read. Secondly, none of the witnesses were invited to enter under any condition. None were asked if they could be, would be willing to turn off their phones or leave their phones outside, etc. After a period of about 10-15 minutes, they were told that they were being dismissed. And if they wouldn't leave the policeman, the police would be called. I am mostly sad, no, downright disgusted, that five temple recommended recommend and calling holding sisters so sisters holding callings who had traveled from out of state to attend this meeting were locked out of our own meeting chapel left to stand on the sidewalk with no seating arrangements were refused to use the use of a toilet and were not allowed to witness on my behalf even though they too had complied with all the agreements how is this in any way, shape, or form excusable? I humbly ask that all of them be offered a personal and public apology. The grief and disbelief I saw in their eyes was the most painful part of my day. It's also a lie that this council had nothing to do with my practice as a therapist. Every single concern of misconduct that Steve Daly brought to my attention in his letter did, dated November 8, 2020, had to do with how I conduct myself as a mental health professional, saying that the sole purpose was to consider my repeated, clear, and public opposition to the church, its doctrines, its policies, and its leaders, is exactly related to my public stances on sexual and mental health. There are no other times I speak critically about the church that I can think of. Every criticism I offer relates to the age-old tension between scientific data and religious dogma, as it is understood at the time. 
And apologies, I uh, keep forgetting a few quotes here. I'll do better. <laughs> so she goes on to say, I hope the above points specify many of the alleged errors or unfairness the procedure or decision of this council, not to mention the complications and undue distress of holding this council in a place I no longer reside, the extreme short notice, the accommodations I had to make with clients, and work that came at quite a large financial cost to me and my family, the wasted cost of all my witnesses, both in travel, lodging, and their own lives being disrupted, etc. Even after working tirelessly for almost two weeks, I was still not able to gather and provide all the relevant information I would have wanted to present in a matter as important as retaining my membership in this church. Lastly, many of your own guidelines in the general handbook of instructions were not followed in this case, i.e., uh, I requested that the entire high council be present, which was denied, supported by the general handbook of instructions. Um, I will be sending a copy of this letter to Steve Daly, and I request that this be the last time I am required to have any contact with him personally. I will also be sending a copy to President Rather of the Derby Kansas Stake, President Newbold of the Wilford Utah Stake, the area authorities of both stakes, as well as your general office. As far as the four things that were shared as ex expectations of me for repair and returning to full fellowship, I'd like to address them next. 1. Cease to use disparaging and vulgar language to describe the church and its leaders. There is plenty of room for the church for diversity of thought on many issues while still being civil and kind. I agree, and I apologize that my use of the term patriarchal prick was so offensive and caused such discomfort. At the same time, if grown men are so appalled at such vulgar language, the only term I can find in my history that would be considered such, I ask you to consider how a 12-year-old might respond to what I consider disparaging and vulgar language to describe those who are struggling to uphold your standards. Some examples include lazy, prideful, deceived, destroyers, deluded, offended, worldly, misled, fallen, children of Satan, unfaithful, unclean, unnatural, perverse, in the grasp of Satan, bad influences, etc. These terms are used in clear, repeated ways over many of our pulpits. Are you aware that name-calling, especially of young, impressionable children, and teens can have the following effects. A. Destroys the bond between a, the person hearing the names and the person calling the names. B. It can crush a youngster's self-image. C. It can break down communication. D. It can change a child's brain structure. And E. It can re be remembered and continue to harm a person for years to come. Then she says, I'll be glad to offer you journaled references to any of these claims if you ask. Number two, being 
begin to attend church meetings regularly. I would love to regularly attend church meetings. I miss the fellowship with my fellow saints, participating in the ritual of the sacrament and singing hymns. Sadly, I do not feel the spirit in many of the church meetings I attend, especially when the things that are shared in regards to mental or sexual health are incorrect or even harmful. Since it is not my place to correct those teachings in, my, in those spaces, it harms me instead of edifies me to participate in church attendance at this time. Did you know that sex and gender-affirming spaces are considered those that a. use respectful and inclusive languages, including preferred pronouns, b. experiences of discrimination and harassment are understood through a lens that recognizes social and historical context, c. Each person's internal and individual experience of gender identity, gender expression, and or sexual orientation are respected. D. Minorities are included in the activities and leadership of their groups. I'll be glad to attend my local ward meetings weekly. If you'd be open to considering my notes, feedback, as to what I observed as being non-inclusive, or potentially harmful for any mental health concern. I would prefer, or sorry, I would offer the service for free as my calling. Number three, earnestly study the scriptures. I'm not sure why it is assumed that I don't, because I do. So we can check that one off the list. In addition, I would love to send you a weekly journal article from the mental health professionals on topics I believe you and our ward communities could benefit from. Are you willing to study such materials? 4. Meet regularly with your bishop. I'd love to meet with my bishop if my records could be transferred to my local stake. I would be willing to meet in the spirit of mutual counsel where he could offer me spiritual guidance, while at the same time be open to some of my ideas from a professional perspective. I am neighbors with my Utah bishop and enjoy his and his family's company tremendously. I strongly believe that this supposed conflict between science and religion need not be, especially as professionals and spiritual leaders agree to interact respectfully and take seriously the considerations of the general welfare of our people. I believe we both have contributions to make, especially in a church that claims revelatory powers, where changes can be made in the name of loving heavenly parents that know we are still in the process of learning ourselves. I invite all of you to consider this an opportunity to begin our, your relationship with me again, Albeit feisty, I am very forgiving and giving. I want nothing more than to use my professional expertise to help those in our church. I have many other colleagues, both in and out of the church, that feel the same way. Please take us up on our offers to educate, train, and find healthy areas of compromise. As we strive to love one another and lean not unto our own understandings, there is much universal wisdom to tap into. Respectfully, Natasha Helfer, LCMFTCST, CST-S. 
additional questions that address my concerns in regards to this particular council and its results. One, why was I the only allowed one hour to present my case? General Handbook of Instructions, Section 32.10.3. Number two, why was not all relevant information presented in this process? General Handbook of Instructions, Section 32.10.3. Why are these charges coming up now when my opposition, quote-unquote, has been presented for many years? Section 32.6.32. And four, why were my concerns about my conflict of interest with Steve Daly ignored and was the first presidency alerted to the situation section 32.9.7 so that is it so sorry i probably don't represent it well but um if if you know you're on the road or something and and you're trying to stay awake hopefully i kept you awake right but uh it's you know, it's like, okay, why do I have this podcast? Is it really about me helping others? Is it about my own personal journal that I've talked about? Obviously, I don't need to read this for myself, right? I've already read it. Um, so that is an interesting question and an interesting to, thing to reflect on. Am I targeting an audience now? Um, you know, I don't know that I'm targeting an audience But I'm passionate about this. And I... I don't need to reach an audience. But if someone's willing to listen to the wonderful person this is, and how she changed my life, she helped open the door. She helped unlock that door that I could push open and I could find a brightness of light on sexual health. Something that I had been shamed about for years. And 40 years of me thinking that I'm essentially a sex addict. Because, you know, my I'd go on a business trip or something and, and it's like, hey, I'm free. I'm free. I can do anything I want. You know? Uh, now I go on a business trip and it's like, huh... What baseball game's on tonight? Or, hey, um, maybe I'll go out with uh, some coworkers and, you know, we'll get some a good steak or something, right? Um, I don't have that lure. I don't have that... Um, oh, what's the word? I don't have that uh, desire that um, almost... Oh, shoot, I don't know why it's not coming to me, but, um, you know, it's like I don't have that urge of, hey, I have to have this. I, I'm not white-knuckling it from one temple visit to another. Now I haven't been to the temple for a considerable amount of time. And I'm not, like, on the fence of, hey, let's get a temple recommend. I I don't think I'd be ready for that. Um, I don't know that my bishop or stake president would be ready for that because um, my opinion of a recommend would be only to go with my wife like on a date night so that she could feel like her husband was there with her.
where she wouldn't have to go alone, where she could still have hope in her beliefs, if that makes sense. Um, but the temple's all a bunch of crock to me. I, I'm going to have a hard time finding symbolism in it. I don't know if, if I'll be able to find peace like I used to. Um, and I'm not trying to tear other people down. That's just how I'm currently at. Um, but, uh, Natasha's given me so much. It's like I'm a new person. <laughs> Still broken. But it's like my center is whole. I feel whole from the inside out. I feel at peace with myself. And I don't feel any shame. If there is a God, I, I don't feel any shame to God. It's like, well, hey, you know, this is me, and I know I'm imperfect. But, you know, it's not like I'm feeling possessed. I'm not feeling the need to go and indulge myself in in anything. Um, so I... I owe a tremendous debt to Natasha, you know, and I don't, I'm not saying that, <laughs> you know, if you think that this recording would help anybody, if you are an active member in a ward and, or if you have a family member that's struggling with shame, point them towards Natasha, point them, point them towards Brene Brown and learning about shame, point them towards learning about correct boundaries the fact that hey just because someone might choose to dress differently doesn't mean that you have any right there is a boundary it doesn't matter what they're wearing you have no right to have any thought and it's crazy you know i used to consider temptations from the devil and that he's going to get his grasp on me I'm like no that's my body saying hey they're attractive but guess what they're in this bubble and that's their bubble and i'm not going to pop my thoughts or my words or or anything because they're their own individual and i respect that and that's beautiful and, you know, I I have a long ways to go. I'm not perfect. But, uh, but you know, I, I just want to share because she means so much. I'm not expecting this to go anywhere. You know, I, I've done I don't know how many recordings. <laughs> but because of my one little advertisement, I have like 15 bucks that I've earned. <laughs> and I'm like, oh... I'm glad. <laughs> what does that come to hours that I've put into this? And it's just my story. It's my journal entry. It's my processing things, getting it out of my system, and just being able to feel a little bit authentic and whole with myself. Um, and I hope it helps someone. Um, if so, great. But it sure has helped me to be able to process things, talk about things. Um, someone came onto my Facebook page and commented on a public post back in December that was just very blatant out there, F-U language, and 
just very mad and she commented and I only have like two mutual friends so I'm like huh, is this a church member is this is this the church office building someone pretending to be someone and um you know and I I don't know it doesn't really matter to me um but uh I <laughs> I think it's interesting that out of the blue, you know, someone pops up and and says something and and uh you know, they're like, "Hey, you know, where do you live?" type thing. And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not going to give that out." Um another person said, "Hey, we ought to chat on the phone sometime." And, you know, I I trust that person a bit. Um, but not enough to give out my phone number, not enough to out myself. I've been pretty vocal, but my point to her is I commented when she saw my post and she's like, I really feel what you're saying here, you know, and, um, it is nice to feel validated, but, uh, but part of me wonders if there's a, an ulterior motive, um, because there are people out there that are about an ulterior motor motive. Uh, there's an individual that's an apologist, and I'm not going to name his name because he doesn't deserve naming, but he's just, he's been an awful representative of someone that would consider themselves a saint. Sorry about that. Uh, the dog saw a cat that it didn't think should be in the yard. So poor cat. Um, so I don't I don't remember where I was at. Um, oh yeah, I was talking about the the girl that commented on my post, and I I responded back and I said, you know, that was a snapshot in time. So if they're gonna judge me for my snapshot in time comments, um get a backbone i mean goodness everyone's progressing at different strengths and and when you're in pain you're gonna let that pain out you know people are like why are why are they so um upset why can't they just move on you're processing pain i mean i've talked before about how uh, a belief system is wrapped around you like into your dna just wrapped in and you have to tear off every strand and dissect it and inspect it I should say and see if you're going to keep that or not and that's what I did in my faith journey is I dissected not dissected I inspected every strand that was wrapped around my DNA with my belief system and every strand hurt and is painful and removing or trying to remove it all or trying to consider keeping pieces of it hurts it hurts and it's not fair to play with people uh, it shows a lack of really understanding humanity and the grieving and the pain and that's normal you shouldn't be criticizing people because they have pain and suffering. You should be willing to learn how to mourn with them so that you can understand how to help stop the marginalization, to help better improve humanity.
And religion, the more I look at it, the more I find it not being the way. You know, I look at the teachings of Christ, of long-suffering, of patience, of kindness, of sitting with someone, being on their eye level, showing love. That, that is personal. And until we see leadership get to that personal level where they know the sheep, when the shepherd knows the sheep. And so if leaders are not going to learn to know his sheep, then they are not learning to be like him. Now I use him and I use parallels of the Savior just because that's what's touching. That's what I've loved about the gospel. That's what I've embraced. I love talking about charity. I've loved talking about loving your neighbor. But it means nothing when you can't deal with people in pain and learning to mourn with them. I'm sorry, but calling an election made sure? Well, the checkmark box should be, talk to me about those that you've mourned with. Talk to me about what you've learned. Not how much tithing you've paid. Talk to me about how you personally minister and how you know his sheep, right? Now, for those that are post-belief, you know, I I come from a context or a narrative of a of a he based gendered God, you know, but we talk about Heavenly Mother and but we don't talk about her. Um and I wish our pronouns would be fixed and healthier. But um but I if we have a Heavenly Mother, I think she would be kicking some serious ass. And I don't think Heavenly Father would be able to hold her back because he's seeing, she's seeing how his leaders here on earth are screwing it all up. Because they are doing cult-based practices. Now... I didn't call the church a cult. There's a difference. But if you look at the bite model, if you look at high demand religions, if you you know, they tell you what to wear, they tell you what to read, they tell you what not to look at. You know, don't go and search off the internet, don't doubt, only listen to conference talks and scriptures and they and I'm not saying the church is a cult but they are using cult-based practices. If you want to learn how to start a cult, you could study the leadership in Mormonism and its organization, and you'd have a good framework. They're telling you what to wear, how to wear it, when to change it. The covenants that you make in the temple are non-consensual because you're not being told about them until you're told that you need to keep them and it's in a culture-rich environment uh, 
where your family's there. Your next step is to go on a mission or get married. And all of a sudden you're making these, you give everything to the church, even your own life if necessary. And you didn't even know that you were going to make that two minutes ahead of time, one minute ahead of time. You're hearing it as they're saying it. And you're supposed to bow your head and say yes. Because everybody else is. And then when you go through the ordinance for someone that's dead, because you only do your ordinance once, it's not a sacrament of your covenant. It is... Um, it is not a repeating covenant. Um, it is done once. You can't go and redo it. Now, some people say, well, the, you know, the sacrament is a, is, you know, where you go and you renew those covenants that you made in the temple. They may say something to that effect. Um, I don't really see that in the scriptures. If it is there, great. But uh, um, you've already covenanted to God, and so now you're an oath breaker. And so you have shame and guilt because now you don't know what to do. Um, it, it's a bit messed up. And, you know, I didn't mean to go into this type of language, but it's. Um, there's some really screwed up things in the church that really screws with your mental health and it's not okay um, I I think many 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 people are damaged you know and then people that leave the church after finding out some of them go to a complete deep end Others go to some other Christian Christianity. Um, others um, seem to go towards a second life or a different approach. Others kind of hang out and and are part in, part out. Um, and I'm sure there's other scenarios, right? Uh, I'm in a mixed faith marriage. I can't. I can't even hint at my discomfort. I'm not safe in my own house. I can't be authentic. And when Natasha's excommunicated, when she's helped me out so much, that hurts. That hurts. It's taking away my authenticity even more. Um, and it, it hurts. Um, if, you know, if, if something were to happen crazy, like, hey, you know, I just inherited a ton of money, you know, someone just uh, sold a bunch of land, and hey, I inherited money from an uncle or something, and it's like, hey, I can buy a house for myself, and hey, wife, do you still want to be married if not, you can buy a house for yourself, you know, and hey, we have enough money to, you know, take care of the kids and be separated if you want. I'd have a hard time not 
being authentic because I knew there would be means to provide for my kids and my wife because the inauthenticity is so damaging to oneself. You need to be able to be authentic. Um, otherwise, you're just pushing things under the rug and it's going to come out later. Uh, so it's it's painful. It's really painful. Nobody, nobody deserves to go through this. And the church should be transparent. They should be honest. They should be kind. Not call people lazy learners. If, if you're going to call people lazy learners, maybe you should not lie for the Lord. Maybe you should be honest and transparent. Maybe you should walk the walk. Maybe the covenants that people make and people answer for their temple recommend of are you honest in your dealings with your fellow men, that applies to the church as well, to the church leaders. Lying for the Lord the Lord doesn't teach you to lie. You're lying because you don't have any revelations as to how to fix this. Well, it's time to buck up and find those revelations. And it's not through shaming. Uh, it's not through shaming. So, um, wow, I went long. I didn't think it'd be that long. Um, be safe. Be safe, take care of yourself, and uh, learn to be productive and not get stuck in a hole. Not get stuck in anxiety and, and uh, overwhelmed where you just don't feel like you can do anything, where your mind just isn't settled. Learn to settle yourself, right? And I'm saying that because that's what I need to do. But be safe, take care, be kind. That's, that's what life's about, be kind. But be safe, draw your boundaries. So take care of y'all, take care.